Hello, everyone. Welcome to your newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and my husband, Bernhard Gunther. And on this episode, we are going to be unveiling the truths versus lies in the twin flame concept. So we're going to talk a little bit about this twin flame documentary that a lot of people are talking about it, the red flags in it, the truths in it. We're going to talk about how this relates to limerence and the psychology of romantic love. And we're also going to discuss what is true divine union and where did this concept of the twin flame originate from? Like, what is the actual literature on this and what does it actually mean? Um, and then in the second hour, for those who don't know, we always offer a second hour, which is for members of our Veil of Reality podcast membership. You can go to veilofreality.com slash membership to gain access to the second hour. We're going to talk more about how the twin flame literature, I guess you could call it, relates to insecure attachment. What are the issues with this kind of channeled material? Because they use a lot of channeling in the documentary. What are some truths about this exercises they offer um, and what are the distortions, especially this mirror exercise? And basically also talk about the traps of manifesting a partner and how this can relate to what is known as a love bite relationship. So we have a lot to dive into. Uh, and before we go into that, I just want to make a quick announcement. So Embodied Soul Awakening, our 14-week private online group coaching program in psychological and spiritual self-work. We are about 80% full for the next round, which starts from January 8th to April 15th. So for those who want to learn more about our group program, you can go to the thetimeoftransition.com. So that's thetimeoftransition.com, and you can learn more about that. So let's go right into it. So basically, the reason why we wanted to talk about this is because not only is this just a really fascinating documentary for those who haven't seen it. There's a uh, both a Amazon Prime and a Netflix documentary about these uh, this couple, basically. Uh, their name is Jeff and Shalia, and they have basically um, a twin flame coaching program called Twin Flame Universe. And in the documentary, it basically showcases, you know, how they basically say that they're channels for God, how they can channel people's twin flame. It gets pretty dark. And at a point, they basically convince people to change their genders because they're actually divine masculine and divine feminine. Um, and it's a lot of truth mixed with lies in it. And they're also uh, a big part of it is they literally guarantee. Oh yeah, that too. That they will find your twin flame. Yeah, they have right? a hundred percent guarantee. If you do their practices, they will find their twin flame for you. So there's a lot of people in their in their Facebook group. I've actually checked their Facebook group. It's still alive and well. It's still doing very well in spite of the documentary. It's kind of like the quote, like all publicity is good publicity. So even in spite of this documentary, painting them in a quite a negative light, it's attracted more attention to them. And so why is that? Um, I think because, you know, relationships can seem a little bit more difficult when you enter onto the path of awakening that many people really long for relationships that are different from the ordinary relationships they maybe haven't been involved in or their parents or grandparents have been involved in. They basically want this true, deeper soul connection rather than superficial connections. So 
usually on this desire for a higher or more conscious relationship, people come across this concept like twin flame, which is also sometimes also referred to as divine union. And when we come, when people come across this concept, it can really seem like everything we've ever been looking for. It's this ideal relationship. It's this ideal romantic love. And it's based on this deep soul connection, this deep spiritual connection. But we really want to discuss, you know, what are these concepts even based on? Are they just idealized romanticizations? Are they based off of our wounded inner child looking for something to fill a hole in us? You know, what's the truth in them? What's the lies? So really in this podcast, we're going to debunk the lies that we see in what's being called these twin flame relationships, along with exploring the truth behind this concept, because we don't like throw out the baby with the bathwater. And we also, Bernhard's written articles about this. He shared literature on his website about this. And we're just going to share a little bit our, of our thoughts about this recent Amazon Prime documentary about twin flame universe. So let's just talk a little bit about that to give people a yeah. primer. Very fascinating because it really blew up. A lot of people have been talking about it, obviously in social media, especially in spiritual communities, new age communities, even through the movement, all of that. Um, what's the title again? So people who haven't seen it. Um, it's of one of them is uh, Escaping Twin Flames. Mm. And then the other one is, uh, that's the one on Netflix. And then the one is called Desperately Seeking Soulmate. But if you search, right. on, if you have Amazon Prime, by the way, you can have free access to the second one. So you don't need to sign up for Netflix for the, net, uh, for, sorry, um, for the Amazon Prime one. So you can watch it for free if you're curious. But I also have to say, like a uh, word of caution, because I had nightmares after watching it. You had weird dreams. <laughs> yes, I did. And when I shared it on Instagram, several people were like, I had very weird dreams after it. Like I'm talking about like six to 10 people replied and said they had very creepy dreams. Yeah, that's like, I mean, you have watched, you did your diligent research. You have watched both, right? The Amazon and the Netflix version. Yeah. And there have been also articles written, even like mainstream articles, Vanity Fair, Vice. Vice, yeah, it's like leftist, progressive, whatever. Um, but really highlighting the pathology of it all. And I watched it yesterday, last night, just for research purposes. Kind of honestly had to force myself through it because <clears throat> for me, and I want to approach it more objectively, but I was, I'm just fascinated how people, especially women, I think that 90% of the Twin Flame Universe members are women. Yeah. How they fall for something obvious scammy like this not only obvious scam but f the first three minutes i started watching it and just tuning into the the main character jeff right who is more the leading role more than even his quote-unquote tin flame what's her name Shelia. yeah just i mean right away i had my tummy was turning around my solar plexus was almost compressing like it felt icky just seeing his eyes his expression, his demeanor, his energy, like it just has written from my perspective, you know, just my opinion on a basic psychological level had written sociopathic narcissists written all over, like without any doubt before he, they even got deeper into this whole documentary. So it's very interesting because they start out with the story of him and her, like before they started all of it. And he was always just trying to make basically money as fast as possible, the least effort, even his ex-friends talked about it. So he's just looking for something he couldn't profit off, right? That's been always his his foundation. Mm -hmm. And then he met her and then they've uh, somehow, I think she even introduced him to this really 
completely distorted, oversimplified New Age concept of Twin Flames, and they started uh, their YouTube channel, right? And one thing he has going for him, even his quote-unquote ex-girlfriend said that he has a lot of charisma. He's so charismatic, so people are drawn to him naturally, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But if you look even at the characteristics of full-blown sociopaths, even psychopaths, is their charisma, Yeah, how they're drawn. And they have this overinflated sense of self. They have this self-confidence, self-esteem, which seems to be so profound and uh, very alluring, and especially to women, that you know, he can get actually really far in this society where pathologies have, have become normalized. But I just want to say this at the beginning. For me, it's so obvious, um, not even beyond what they were saying, which also we go into many, many red flags and, and, and what the teachings they had and how they abused the students, really, and manipulated them. But, you know, if you have already a, some level of connection to self, to essence, to your true self, on some level or some basic understanding of psychology, even just the very basic, you would see the red flags right away. But it's fascinating how many people fell for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the main thing is that I, I, I personally think that they believe what they're telling people. I think that they've really bought into the story. I don't think they're mm -hmm. consciously aware that we're manipulating people. I think they fully buy into this myth that they've created. And the I think the drive is, is that people... This drive for whatever, what they're offering, which is basically the ideal romantic relationship is so strong that people will do anything for it. Like yeah. that's how addictive it is. And, um, and yeah, there's many, there's many things, but let's talk about some of the, I want, I want to just quote some of the things that they say about twin flames. Go ahead. So this is from their website and they say twin flames are the absolute pinnacle of romantic relationships. They are the most exquisite, profound, and loving partnership anyone can experience with another person because twin flames are created to be eternal companions. They are one soul expressing itself in two bodies. As such, twin flames are so deeply connected that they actually share the same one consciousness. Twin flames are divinely created and share the same consciousness and soul DNA. This means your twin flame is literally you. They are designed so specifically and no other type of relationship could replace this connection. You two are so perfect for each other. There is no need for compromises. Yes, you read that correctly. No compromising at all ever. So wow. okay. this is the promise that they offer is like, and I think we're going to go into the psychology of romantic love and how this links into it, because this is a very alluring pr uh, promise to people who maybe haven't experienced any love, especially in their childhood, are longing for something higher, longing for a deeper meaning. I also want to say that this, like, the, this mythology of like putting romantic love at the pinnacle of everything is culturally supported, meaning all of the movies that we watch always have a love story woven into it where romantic love is the ideal. So this is like almost like a cultural myth that we're dealing with as well. Yeah. Just to add to comment on what you just shared from the website, basically, so, I mean, many, so many red flags, extremely distorted, oversimplified ideas, and some of it also nonsense. Um, we look deeper into like the esoteric significance of what it's called, the quote-unquote New Age concept of twin flames later on, um, because truth makes with lies. But here it's already such a setup, because basically they say, oh, this twin flame, because of the, the one consciousness of duality, it got divided into two, right? So what they're also setting up, people, with, especially people who have no understanding really of deeper psycho-spiritual work and are, like you said, very young, 
wounded, alone, yearning, right? They basically implant already that without your twin flame, you won't ever be whole. Yes, exactly. This yeah. is a huge, huge trap right and there. And then it also justifies like the intensity of the obsession that they say is normal for a twin flame relationship because they're a part of your soul. So yes. then it makes sense to be intensely obsessed with people. And even in the... Yeah, they uh, say this means, sorry, real quick, this means your twin flame is literally you. Exactly. Wow. And even in the documentary, they encourage people to pursue people... I mean, it's very dark. You didn't watch the Netflix one, but the Netflix one, they encourage this young girl to get with a guy who's basically um, a criminal and has a has an antisocial, has a, has a major personality disorder and has no job. And she's just this young, innocent girl. They convince people to, um, to enter into relationships with people who are abusive, who are already married and in relationships. That's very common in twin flame literature is like, what do I do when my twin flame is already married and have kids and whatnot? So it sets people up for this to, to basically justify this intense obsession that they have. Yeah, they're literally, just to context for people who haven't watched it, they literally tell whoever joins goes to these practices we talk about, they will literally tell them literally who their twin flame is, a person. Most often it's actually an ex they need to get back to. Yes. And Jeff, you know, he is like, I know best, I'm Christ incarnated. He claims that later on, this is your twin flame. This is the way it is because I know just pursue him, right? And the reason they always mention sometimes why the other person doesn't want to unite because of this extremely pathological idea of this twin flame dynamics of a chaser and a what is it called and a runner yeah and a runner right yeah. we'll talk about that in the second hour i'm going to unpack that yeah it's definitely has to do with attachment so um so this is also related to this concept of limerence so limerence is basically a state of profound romantic infatuation deep obsession deep longing it's basically a cross between addiction and ocd so if you notice that like Especially when, when I when I know, I, I mean, I also can relate to all of this. So if you're someone who's like upset that we're like debunking some of the lies in twin flame literature, I'm sorry. But I also want to say that when I was really desperate for a relationship, especially early on in my journey, I was Googling twin flames and I came across their videos and they did already back then. Yeah, already back then. And they didn't really like grab me. So I didn't really look into them too much. It seemed just a little bit, um, I just didn't, you know, quote unquote resonate with me. Um, but I want to say that in the beginning of a relationship, what I've noticed, I have Venus and Scorpio, so I will get very intensely into people, even, even in the past when they're wrong for me. And so I know this state of limerence so well. I felt it so deeply. And what I've realized is that state of limerence also has to do with the my own wounded inner child finally feeling like the projection that I've projected onto the person or the idea that I have of the person this will fulfill all of the childhood needs. This person will see me in the way that my parents wouldn't. This person will love me deeper than anyone will ever love me. So this state of limerence is like a drug, basically. And it usually lasts for like three months to maximum, I would say a year. That would be on the longer end of the scale. It doesn't last very long. And it's literally like you're under a drug. It's like this romantic love phase. And so... I, I would caution people to be very wary in that phase 
Because that when you're under the influence of drugs, you can make decisions that are not in your best interest. And you can actually override a lot of red flags and gut feelings that you're getting about the person that they may be wrong for you. So this state of limerence is actually something to be very cautious about in the early stages of relationships. And I think that's what they're kind of pointing at. Not only early stages, even before a relationship. And that's what this quote unquote twin flame couple um, manipulated or used, you know, to get more people involved into their program and all of that. And it's really fascinating because, again, for one who hasn't watched the documentary, they literally set them up with what they say is their twin flame and then go pursue them. Even they say, no, go pursue them, go pursue them to the point that there have been many literally um, restraining orders yeah. of ex-partners to their mostly female um, ex-girlfriends who are part of this twin flame community because they've become obsessed. They've been told, oh, this is your twin flame. You need to pursue it. And um, and they, through this obsessive compulsory behavior and literally mind programmed, mind controlled, uh, there's NLP pro programming involved in that as well. I've seen this guy, Jeff, literally using NLP during his sessions to hypnotize his, his students to make them pursue people who like, literally said, back off, I don't want to have anything to do with you, to exactly. the point they had to go to the police to get restraining orders. Yeah. And then they tried to override the restraining orders that some of the women literally got arrested Yeah, that was for... Um, that was in the Netflix documentary the, that you didn't see. So a woman basically ended up in prison because yeah. she showed up at the same place that her twin flame was at. And then even after she got out of prison, uh, they made her do the mirror exercise. She said, no, she said she was doing the mirror exercise in prison, which we'll talk about in a moment. Wow. And yeah. So, so basically this limerence, what you mentioned is also from a young perspective, the golden shadow, positive shadow protection on complete overdrive, right? Yeah. To not see the person as he or she is at all, but overlaid with this projection of who you think, who they're supposed to be. Oh, this is my twin flame, right? Yeah. And this has been then augmented or even more installed by these two twin flame teachers, especially the Jeff guy. Yeah. So I'm going to give some quotes from uh, one of my favorite books about this topic. Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's Robert Johnson's book, We, which is called The Psychology of Romantic Love. And if you're someone who tends to fall in this state of limerence and you fall really hard for people who are not right for you, and it just burns out at some at some point or you hit a wall or you hit reality at some point, like, please read this book. Um, and this book really helped me. So and here's a quote from his book. We have learned that romantic love draws on a huge power system in the unconscious, an energy so great that we can only speak of it in the language of religion and mysticism. We adore, we worship our beloved when we are in love. We are completed. We are in heaven. We die. Here is revealed the quest for Godhead, fire from heaven, spiritual enlightenment, meaning, consciousness of self. In the West, as in no other culture in history, this huge force is routed not into our religion or our mystical life, but into our human loves. Romantic love has become the channel through which this awesome force flows into daily human life. So that's a really mm -hmm. important point. Mm -hmm. Is and he's going to go into it deeper. And I'm and he has an amazing quote that summarizes. But I just want to point that out: that romantic love has become the channel through which this awesome force flows into daily human life. 
Now we are asking, what are we to do with this awesome force? How can we channel it correctly so that it will enrich our lives in the realms of spirit and relationship rather than sabotage them? And then he refers to a dream that that he analyzed uh, earlier in the book. And he says, this dream answers us in clear and vivid language. And he says, in quote, put the divine part of yourself back into the cathedral where it belongs and live the human part of of yourself where it belongs in ordinariness and simplicity. We must take our soul out of romantic love and return it to the inner place, the inner cathedral. So if you don't know what that means, he continues later on and he says, it is difficult for us to imagine what it means to return a part of our lives to the cathedral. It does not necessarily mean to become involved with an external collective religion. It does mean to differentiate between what belongs in our external lives and what belongs to our inner self. It means to take something that we have been trying to live through our external relationships and live it instead in a private, quiet inner place, a place that only exists on the level of spirit. So what he's basically saying is that we have to take these projections out of romantic love and put it back into our connection with God where it belongs, which is interestingly, some of the teachings that they teach in this, they're like, oh, it's all about your relationship with God. But they have, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. they have a caveat, and I'm going to quote one more thing from him. They have a caveat that your relationship with God, you just need to strengthen that to manifest your twin flame. Oh. There's the addition, you know, mm-hmm. it's not about that in itself. It's yeah. not about separating the two. Uh, can I say something for that real quick? Yes, before? yes. You have to understand, you know, now I realize too, I mean, when I first said, I can't believe how people fell, fall for that because I just see through these both of them so easily. But I can see how, because a lot of the people who fell for it are very, excuse me, naive, wounded, young women. And some of them may be a bit older, but most of them extremely young, even some teenagers who go for There's it. There's a range, I A range. Say. But it's still very naive that not understanding any spiritual concepts or psychologically at all whatsoever, falling easily for the new age because of what we just said, their own wounding, unconscious stuff, looking for happiness, fulfillment outside, mistaking romance for love too. This is another big topic. But it's when I watch a documentary, you're right. Some of them, what they say, they mix. It's it's they they take all kinds of different concepts, and and every once in a while, there's some truth in it. Yeah. In what they say, but it's highly distorted, manipulated. So on some level, it does resonate with something true within a person, even yeah. only unconsciously. And that's what drives them in. Exactly, right? exactly. But the devil as always is in the details. Yeah, and then it's always like, do this and this and this to manifest your ideal partner. It always ends into your ideal partner, your ideal love relationship. So yeah. I'm just going to finish off this quote. And so um, basically, you know, he starts talking about the anima. So the anima is the soul in man and the animus is the spirit in woman. So it's like the inner... The animus is the inner masculine in a woman. The anima is the inner feminine in a man. You can think of like that. And so he starts to talk about the anima. And he says to return the anima, which again is the inner feminine or the soul in the man, to the basilica is a sacrificial act. So he's returned the soul back into the cathedral is a sacrificial act is what he's saying. All men have the option of trying to live anima through other people. So men live their soul through the woman. Women live their soul through the man. That's the projection that happens in relationships. Um, And he says, to give up that attempt takes a conscious act of sacrifice. One must sacrifice a whole level of existence in order to move on to another. 
From the ego's viewpoint, it looks like death. To give up living anima by projection means to pull most of the artificial intensity out mm-hmm. of relationships. It means that things will seem quieter and less exciting. To put his soul in the cathedral and stop trying to live it through a woman means the man removes an entire dimension of his life from his human relationship and establishes it elsewhere on another level of himself, a level that he can't live outwardly, that he Mm -hmm. must live by himself. To his ego, it feels as though he is impoverishing his human relationship or cheating himself. At first, he feels that half the thrills, excitement, fun, and intensity is taken out of human relationship. With time, he learns that his soul life never really belonged there and that his human relationship is actually thriving better without it. But for a time, it feels dismal. Wow, that's very profound. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I comment on that? Yes, yes. Very interesting because that also blows uh, everything out of the water in the sense. Even these, um, <clears throat> on a side note, I want to talk about this later, these these popular polarity teachings as well, which is also based on on polarization, friction, and more fa- passion and all of that. And even what these twin flame um, couple promises, you know, ro- you know, have more romance, more passion in your life, even hot sex and all of that, that has nothing to do actually with a true divine union. Yeah. A true divine union on a high level transcends the lower aspects of uh, even sexual expression or just emotional love and passion and all of that, what we've been conditioned with and think of the ultimate love connection, all the romance, romantic um, films and all of that. And I'll talk about this later from Sri Aurobindo's Integral Yoga perspective, the three different levels of relationship between man and woman. And what uh, he's, the more consensus type of relationship is actually also, uh, this twin fl- flame couple mixes in with some th- spiritual stuff is actually 99% of, of, of relationships in the world. And people want that passion, right? Yeah. But he makes an interesting, exact, a very fascinating point that the, your true soul being on a high level, divine union, is not into that, um, what he calls it? Artificial intensity? Or? Artificial intensity, this constant passion and love and and sexual friction and just just you know what people want you know almost out of their own boredom to find some sort of excitement through the other person yeah because the you know they're trying to live their soul life through other people and it is a yes. sacrifice it does feel like death you know there's a famous quote too what is it like you know the buddhists say that when you meet the one your heart won't flutter, your stomach won't get in knots, it will be very peaceful. Do you remember exactly. that quote? Yeah, but also Gurdjieff talked about this itself. If you find the one, you know, that's really a true unit high level, there won't be this romantic projection, there won't be this emotional high, no butterflies in the tummy, there won't be this exciting sexual attraction and hot sex and all of it. No, this is, all of that is still an aspect of the lower nature and that's fine, of the animal nature and man and that's, that's, where, where it's it for most people based on the evolution of consciousness. But this higher union is a complete, almost as Muraviev talked, I will talk about this later in terms of the polar couple of the esoteric traditions. It is quote unquote objective love. It is courtly love, not carnal love. Yeah. So let's go into that. So what is, you know, what is, where is the concept coming from? What's true divine union? Where did this concept twin flame originate from? So you want to share about that? Yeah. So let me just go up here so I find it. Um, so basically, 
on a side note, we have also gone deep into this topic in way more. We have a, a three-hour masterclass on this uh, uh, topic on evolutionary relationships where we talk about these topics we share here in way more depth and and more to it. Um, but yeah, again, truth is mixed with lies. So there's such thing as a quote-unquote divine union of the quote-unquote perfect match, what the New Age is called twin flame. But it's Again, in the New Age, highly distorted, highly oversimplified, mostly based on highly corrupted, questionable channeled material, which we'll talk about later on as well. But, you know, if you look into the ancient esoteric traditions, spiritual traditions, what do they say about the relationship between man and woman? Um, well, there's a, as a concept of what is called the fifth way of the polar couple, polar couple in the esoteric Christian tradition. And polar couple, in this context, again, to be clear, has nothing to do whatsoever with this new neo-polarity teachings between like almost like a traditional man and the what the woman is supposed to be and the man is supposed to be, which is mostly from the way I understand it, it's it almost a first level anima-animas projection relationship. But no, the fifth way of the polar couple in esoteric traditions um, is based on uh, Borov Moravia's work in Gnosis. And who doesn't, people who don't understand the fifth way, just let me share with you the other four ways. Um, so people have a context for that. It also ties into Gurdjieff's fourth way. Uh, different approaches to spiritual work, inner work. So the first way is the way of the fakir. It's the physical mastery. The fakir works to obtain mastery of the attention or self-mastery through struggles with the physical body involving difficult physical exercises and posture. The second way, though, is the way of the monk. This is emotional mastery. The monk works to obtain the same mastery of the attention, self-mastery, through struggle with the affections in the domain, as we say, the heart, which has been emphasized in the West and come to be known as the way of faith, and particularly in Catholic, you know, the way of the heart. And the third way is the way of the yogi, is mind mastery. The yogi works to obtain the same mastery of the attention as before, Self-mastery through struggle with controlling mental habits and capabilities. So these are the first three ways. And then Gurdjieff brought in the fourth way, which basically combines all the other three ways in one practice done in everyday life without needing to retreat life, not needing to live in the monastery or ashram, right? And the fifth way we talk about of the polar couple is the way of doing esoteric work together as a couple, right? A perfect... Uh, union of two people who have established courtly love and not driven by carnal love of the lower self anymore. You need to probably tell people what courtly love versus carnal love is so they know. Yeah, courtly love meaning like it's a higher psychic love, a spiritual life, a true union of souls. And it's not based on the lower nature. It's not based on sexual attraction. It's not based on um, getting your emotional needs met. There's some higher union that transcends all the vital love as Sri Aurobindo would say, we mistake nowadays for love, which is based on a conditional love. So what's vital love? Can you vital just define love, that? Again, love, vital love of the lower life force, right? I need some a partner to have, engage sexually with to get my sexual needs met. I need somebody to like get intense my emotion. Intense sexual and emotional attraction. Yeah, and I get need my emotional needs met by somebody else. Basically what, what regular people 99% look for in a partnership. And there's nothing wrong with it, by the way, right? There are different levels. Yeah. Uh, based on level of being. But courtly love is the higher true soul union based on what you just shared from the quote. Yeah. Um, that is for having both people having found the cathedral within. Yeah. Right. And yeah. not looking for that in the other person anymore. Yeah. So you're not the main, the main thing is you're actually this is a difference is that you're not looking for the person outside of you 
to complete you. And you also realize that romantic love is a projection of your desire for your relationship with God. And that's it. It's not that when you have a relationship with God, it leads you to the ultimate exactly. romantic love, like the twin flames allude to. That's what they say. They, that's how they distort it. They say, build a relationship with God. God wants you to have your twin flame. When you build a relationship with God, then you find your twin flame. No, it's that we have put our deep desire for relationship with God into romantic love and we need to take it out of it. That's, exactly. that's it. And then when you take it out of it and you find that fulfillment with God within, you know, maybe you find a perfect partner. Maybe you don't, maybe you just find a partner who you get along with. Like that's the whole thing is like relationships are a karmic mystery for many people. Sometimes you find the love of your life. Sometimes you just want to be alone too. The ideal of romantic love isn't also the point of all of existence either. I just want to point that out is that some people just want to be on their own in this lifetime, want to just have companionship, friends, you know, family, that's fine. So let's just unpack some of these, you know, basically these ways that you talked about and how that could show up in relationships. So this physical mastery, it's, you know, as you read, you said the fakir works to obtain mastery of attention through struggles with controlling the physical body, difficult physical exercises and postures. So I'm curious, like, how would that show up in relationship? Well, first of all, it's really understanding in general, this is also what we talk about, the fourfold approach of holistic self-work, even in our embodied soul awakening program. It's just doing all the work on all levels, all dimensions, the physical dimension, the emotional dimension, the intellectual mind dimension, and then the spiritual dimension, bringing it all together. So physical mastery, in that sense, this is the old way of saying it, right? I, I, I got the definitions from the ancient way of the fakir, right? Which you see in Indian tradition as well, like the traditional like guy sitting on the nail bed and, and all of that and pushing his physical body, right? Ultimately, it was not to identify with the body and through that realize the self, the soul, uh, beyond the body. But ultimately, in modern day life, as Gurdjieff's um, work started, is we need to bring this work into modern day life and everyday life. We cannot just escape life. Mm. And physical master in this context nowadays means also basically taking care of your physical body to be healthy, right? And all of that, to, to engage in embodiment practices somatically, understand the, uh, you know, really how your body operates in an optimum healthy level. And then within a, a relationship, obviously, you can then um, engage in these practices together that, as well. Or you can just do them. So it could be like a embodiment practice, basically the soul being in the body, not being disassociated, along with like being able to take care of the basics of your everyday life, your health, exactly. basically. Your health, you know, and also I would even extend it to taking self-responsibility in everyday life, having your livelihood, being grounded in this physical reality. Oh, that's actually a good point, because a lot of these people who got wrapped up in this twin flame thing, they literally were going into debt. They were convincing them to take out credit cards to yeah. buy the twin flame courses. So oh, that's yeah. also a red flag. Like if you have to go into extreme debt in order to like invest in this and like relationships, you need to not worry about that. You need to worry about your physical life yes. first, right? Yes, yes. Because then you could also get into relationships as a form of survival. Like if you get into a relationship and your physical livelihood isn't taken care of and you get with someone who is better off than you financially, at least, then it creates an automatic dependency as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I get it. So then, then the way of the monk, emotional mastery, um, just working on the emotional center, yeah. right? Yeah, this is a big one, heart. obviously. 
emotional center. This is also basic psychological somatic work. You know, all your emotions you have may suppressed, you have not acknowledged, pushed in a shadow, unconscious guilt, shame, sadness, anger needs to be processed, transmuted. And obviously that will even come up more in relationship. Hence, by the way, from the esoteric tradition, the fifth way of doing esoteric work, this inner work together as a polar couple who are the perfect match, will actually accelerate the esoteric evolution of both. Mm-hmm. As you can see, in mm-hmm. a relationship, more stuff comes up naturally, and that can be used as fuel for the fire of transmutation. Yeah, yeah. Because so more stuff gets triggered, right? So I think it's also related to, number one, emotional intelligence, which is being able to first tell what you're feeling, tell what others are feeling as well, know how to take care of those feelings and not act out, not act out your triggers on the other person, not act out your projections on the other person, Um, and not, and also have an open heart. Like, I can't tell you how many people are like, they say they're looking for love. And yet if you were to place the love interest in front of them, they would get terrified. They would shut down. So this indicates that their heart is actually not open to the relationship they say that they want. So this heart opening, I think is really key. And then also, you know, I wouldn't say controlling the affections, but just having like intelligence around your emotions. So like, do you know when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're fearful? What do you do when you when you are? When you're angry, do you lash out at someone? When you're sad, do you also lash out at someone? You know, we tend to project our emotions, especially on to the people that we care about the most. And that's also not helpful for us, you know? So yeah. it's also about understanding, like having the emotional intelligence and the somatic intelligence to know what you're feeling. And then also having the self-awareness to know the correct course of action for those feelings. And I would also say it extends from yourself into the other person. So once you have the emotional intelligence to be able to tell how you're feeling, to know the correct kind of channel for those feelings, also having the emotional intelligence and empathy to understand another person's feelings as well. Yeah, and so, that's an emotional mastery. And I also have to say this emotional mastery is something that is very lacking in the world. All you need to oh, go yes. is go on social media, especially Twitter, and you're going to see. No, I, I was going to say about this, you know, this ancient way of the monk symbolizes emotional mastery. Um, also ties into obviously developing emotional intelligence and maturity because like you just alluded to, most people in the world are children in adult suits, yeah. right? Emotionally very immature, very identified, very reactive, lash out, or the opposite, disassociated, numbed, frozen, uh, taking all kinds of antidepressants, pills, pharmaceuticals, disconnected from their emotions completely, afraid of feeling certain emotions, right? Which we need to allow ourselves to feel as well, or also very immaturely blaming others for the way you feel. Yeah. So that also is emotional mastery to take full responsibility for your for the for your own feelings. Yes. Um, okay. And then the mind mastery is about controlling mental habits and capabilities. So how could that show up in a relationship? Uh, I mean, so first of all, the practice itself is is basically f- from the yogi perspective, obviously meditation, not to identify with thoughts. Yeah. Right. Uh, and all of that being having more observer, uh, internal observer witness in, established. Uh, and again, you know, all this work can be done to uh, within a relationship because all this stuff is being more triggered. It comes more up more. So it's absolutely of being more mindful in the end of the day, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? And also, you know, like, I think the main thing with meditation is that you don't become identified with the objects of your mind is that most people's minds are total chaos. They have a constant inner narrative. 
maybe several conversations going on at once and to realize that isn't who you truly are, actually. Your soul, your true essence is actually beyond all of that chatter. And the more that we identify also with the stories of our mind and the narratives we make up, the more we're also ripe for projections, for delusions, for illusions. The stories in our minds are very, are, are very, can trick us into believing things that are not true about ourselves and other people. So just to put in the context now, the fifth way of doing this esoteric work as a polar couple, right, together, it's very important to understand, and one of the prerequisites, that both partners have already gone through what is called an esoteric tradition in Gnosis uh, by Moravif, a moral bankruptcy, which means a disillusionment and death of the personality already. And also each person has already gone, uh, done this work to an extended amount of time, even this lifetime over lifetimes doesn't matter, but have already engaged in the fourth way, all these other ways in their own way, already has a certain amount of physical mastery, emotional mastery, mind mastery, all of that, in their own way, already established, which means both have already established the real I, a connection to the true self-essence, the presence within, uh, and processed along the path as individuals and already somewhat individuated. Mm. This is the key difference between like most of this new age twin flame stuff you see out where people have are completely driven by their mechanical wounded ego personality. That goes against the literature about the runner and the chaser, which we're going to get into in part two, where it basically says the chaser is the more spiritually evolved one. And usually the runner is like not engaged in any self-work. So that debunks that theory, yes. basically. Yeah. And like I mentioned, uh, then another more prerequisites, and this is taken from uh, Gnosis by Boris Moraviev, based on esoteric Christianity about the polar couple and doing the work together as a the, the true divine union between man and woman, uh, control and mastery over the mechanical impulses, especially, again, it goes back here, to the emotional and sexual center, and not mistaking sexual, um, purely physical attraction impulse or emotional infatuation for love. So a lot of that, again, goes back to this idea, even the twin, these twin flame people promise this, this heightened romantic love, but romance is not love. Romance is very emotional love. It's very sexual infused love and all of that, right? It's this what it's called in esotericism, it's carnal love, but we need to bring up to a higher level towards courtly love. And in order to do that, you must have the mastery, again, over your mechanical impulses of the emotional and sexual center. Most often there's wounding, there's trauma around it as well, mm -hmm. or shadow work to be done. Yeah, and, and just to be mindful, you know, this emotional infatuation, like we went through it in the beginning of our relationship, I think it's normal to go through it, but to just have your own values and your own even spiritual practice and connection in place that you don't put everything into this romantic love. Like people invest everything into this feeling of romantic love, meaning if they have this feeling, that means they need to be in a relationship with someone. Yeah, that's why most people also break up because they mistake the romantic phase, which is a normal phase at the beginning. For true love. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and then also when the romantic phase burns out or calms down, then there can be the potential if you have insecure attachment to be like, oh, the passion's gone. How can we reignite the passion? Or they go looking for someone else. And I know that from personal experience, by the way. Yes. yes. Um, and then a few more. Yeah, like like it is written in the scripture, uh, moving from carnal love, as I just mentioned, which is based on the lower centers and preferences of the 
conditioned ego personality to courtly love, which mm -hmm. is cycle, as Sri Aurobindo also called it, psychic spiritual love based on, on, on true soul union on the higher centers and connected from essence to essence, real eye to real eye. But it, before you can connect to the another person, that you must have it, it integrated within yourself already. Yeah. And ultimately, there must be a, a integrally polar, which again has nothing to do with this, this polarity teachings of no, nowadays, meaning they're looking into the same direction, uh, metaphorically speaking, and giving you know the same intention in life towards awakening truly and give each other precisely what each need. And they are not the, what what as it's as it's written in knows is what they need each other is not related at all to the desires of the personality with all it what it's lacking and trying to get it from the other person. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms even of lessons of what comes up in order to help them both evolve um, as an esoteric couple according to the fifth way to this higher union and towards union with the divine ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, so basically to summarize a lot of, I mean, it's kind of, this is where they also mix in truth with lies and the twin flame stuff, because they're always like, do your inner work, do your inner work and your twin flame will find you. Yeah. But I think the point is, is just to engage in inner work if that is a calling for your soul, period. And then not do it as a way of just thinking that you can attract a twin flame from it. Because to say that is the trick, I think, is to say, do all this inner work and then you'll get your twin flame is like, are you doing it for the sake of your own soul, for the sake of your own spiritual connection? Are you doing it as a bargain? Because you can see the truth mixed with lies in it, that there's they're pointing at something really important, but then they say, but this will lead you to your yeah. twin flame. So and that reminds me of the biggest difference between like already trying to look for your twin flame or getting into sketchy uh, scams like this one. They promise you they will find the twin flame for you. No, if you truly walk the path, first do the work on your own, sincerely seeking truth, awakening, seeking uh, union with the divine, engaging in the fourfold approach and all the fourth way of psycho-spiritual inner work, naturally you will be guided to and attract your quote-unquote polar opposite naturally without needing to look for it. And at the same time, you will have, don't actually have the desperation to yeah. look for that partner. That's, exactly. that's a that's big the, red that's flag. The key thing. As long as you have this uh, fantasy of the ideal partner and, and yearn to find him or her this desperation, you're not connected to essence. You're not connected to self. You will set yourself up for failure, even possibly a dark side of Cupid love bite relationship, which we talk, talk about later in the second hour. Or as Muraviev talked here in Gnosis, uh, about over, the, the seeker overestimating him or herself, he writes, the greatest error in the esoteric domain, which, as in all the others, leads to failure, is to embark on an enterprise which is above a man's capacity or woman's. The esoteric traditions warns about this very exactly. The overestimation of his strength is a classic snare that a general law lays for us. The general law is the esoteric uh, concept or word for the matrix, the matrix forces. That's where they, we're being trapped. And he continues, and many people of entirely good faith get caught in and fall off the both, uh, and while believing to be, uh, fall off the path, excuse me, while believing to be on it, the greatest deceptions of all. Yeah. And I also want to just add, you know, because 
I was very um, much in this phase of, I would argue, love addiction, like constantly having to have an object that I was obsessed with, whether they were available or not or whatever. It was, it was, it was an addiction. And the, the relationship with God, like as Robert Johnson says, putting the soul back in the cathedral and out of romantic love is once you develop that relationship, you'll realize that that's what you were looking for in all of the romantic love relationships that you were seeking. You were exactly, looking for that relationship exactly. with God. And that will be it. Like, I remember at this 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 one moment, I've had this realization again and again. I had to have it a few times. Sometimes it doesn't land on the first time. <laughs> um, but on the first time I realized it, I was like in a 10-day meditation retreat. And on the seventh day, I had this experience of like divine grace, total peace. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for in all of my relationships. And I don't actually need a relationship with another person in order to get it. And I had this huge light bulb go off. And so that's the realization in itself. It's not develop a relationship with God and you will get a twin flame. It's that the relationship with God is what you're looking for when you're looking for a relationship with a twin flame. And that's the kind of the caveat. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're going to go into the second hour. So we're going to talk about in the second hour, how this twin flame stuff, runner chaser dynamic, how that relates to attachment, these issues with channeled material, we're going to talk about this mirror exercise I offer, which I found a little bit interesting because, again, it's truth, myth with lies, traps of manifesting a partner, how it relates to love bite relationships. And we're also going to talk about what Sri Aurobindo says about this topic. Excellent. And if you're not a member yet and want access to the second hour, go to my website, veilofreality.com. Look at the membership or go to veilofreality.com slash membership and uh, you'll have access. Then we have what, over 100 15 or so episodes uh, with a lot of content. You can also go back to older episodes. They are timeless, a lot to learn and dive into. That being said, we'll be right back. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 